Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. We're advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, and research. Welcome to AUKUS Amplified, the podcast series brought to you by the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. Today, we are highlighting a few of the many outstanding papers presented at the 31st annual meeting of the association, including the award papers. My name is Stefano Bini, and I am a chair of the Digital Health and Social Media Committee at AUKUS and a professor at the University of California, San Francisco. Today, I'll be joined as co-host on this podcast by Dr. Anna Rosenblum, who is a member of our committee. Dr. Rosenblum, welcome to the podcast, and please introduce yourself to our audience and introduce the paper we're highlighting today. Thank you, Dr. Beanie. I'm Anna Cohen-Rosenblum. I work at Louisiana State University in New Orleans. I am very excited to participate today on this podcast and this paper in particular. The title of the paper we're highlighting today is Discrepancies in Work-Family Dynamics Between Female and Male Orthopedic Surgeons. We are grateful that Dr. Ponzio from the Rothman Institute and Dr. Bell from Naples, Florida are joining us today and they're taking time out of their busy practices. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for the opportunity to discuss our paper. It's been a great meeting so far at ACUS. Thank you, Dr. Binney and Dr. Rosenblum. We're excited to be on the podcast today talking about what we think is a very important topic. Thank you for having us. Fantastic to have you with us today. Let's get to it. So, Dr. Bell, you are the lead author of the paper and you're a fellow, I think, when you started this project. So what drew you to it? What got you interested in this specific topic of all the things you could have studied as a fellow at Rothman? Yes, so this paper was developed during COVID, so we were shut down and had time to dedicate to research, and that's when I was a fellow at the Rothman Institute with Dr. Ponzio as my fellowship director, and we wanted to look at this new concept of work-family integration, and it's basically a new term for work-family balance because we know that work-family balance doesn't really work and it's more a synergistic effect of work with family. So we wanted to see what are the differences between male and female orthopedic surgeons and is there a difference? And then subsequently if there is, can this provide a foundation to start to address this? Dr. Ponzi, you are the senior author on this paper. How does this topic relate to the rest of your research? Well, you know, so I think that this was a little bit of a new interest area when Courtney and I developed the idea and designed the survey, but certainly it's relevant to the two of us as we're women in orthopedics. And I guess I would start by commenting on some of the inspiration behind the work. If I think back to the entirety of my orthopedic exposure, even from a young age, my dad was an orthopedic surgeon, and I would say I really never thought much about it being so unique to be a woman in the field, though I certainly do recall worrying a lot about the future and how and when I was going to be able to start a family and have children. But my perspective on that topic changed dramatically after I had twin girls at the start of my career. So early on in my career, I think I was two years in, and I recognized through that experience that living out the demands of being orthopedic surgeon and being present as a mother or really any type of primary caregiver is a unique challenge and it requires careful planning and thought each and every day. So you start to really appreciate the things in your day-to-day routine that enable you to succeed and then sometimes you become even painfully aware of circumstances that may feel impossible to overcome. 
And I'd say that this doesn't only apply to women, but it applies to men in the field as well. But certainly we felt that women were particularly vulnerable to work-family conflict because they are typically the ones that are upholding societal and cultural roles as wife, mother, and caregiver. And so then you take a peek at our specialty on the national level. We know that female surgeons represent only 6.5% of the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. And unfortunately, there's far fewer in our subspecialty of adult reconstruction. We also know from prior research that a perceived inability to achieve work-family balance is the most common reason cited by women for opting not to specialize in orthopedic surgery, and that work-family conflict is linked to burnout and depression, and particularly that is true amongst female surgeons. So we set out really to identify were there differences that we could find through a survey in work-family integration between female and male orthopedic surgeons in the United States? And I think our hypothesis was that female and male orthopedic surgeons would report some level of differences in the structure of their work and family life that would suggest an increased work-family conflict for females. So Dr. Bell, let's get into the key aspects of your paper, all right? So how was your study designed and kind of why was it designed like that? Yeah, so our study was a web-based survey and it was anonymous survey that we sent out. And so we started thinking, okay, how are we going to reach all of these female surgeons and also surgeons in general? So we started with the Women in Orthopedics Facebook group and we distributed the link to that group. And then to reach out to men, we distributed the survey to various alumni networks. And can you summarize the key results of your research? Our web-based survey had 347 respondents and we collected the data in various domains of work, family, and then also satisfaction and to identify differences amongst males and females. And so what we found were that women were younger and earlier in their career than men, going along with the trend of more women coming into orthopedics. So the average age for women was 40 and men were 51. There are also much fewer women who were more than 10 years into practice. So 60% of men were 10 years or more into practice, whereas only 26% of women were. And then we started looking at opportunities within academics. So things like teaching at courses, and there were far fewer opportunities for women to teach at courses, as well as participate with industry, and also had fewer academic titles and leadership positions. Subsequently, we also looked at income, and women actually earned less than their male counterparts. And we did an additional analysis because we thought, well, possibly age or time in practice would correlate with that, and it actually didn't. So that statistic remained true across ages. Then we started looking at more relationship dynamics. So women were more likely to be married later or not be married at all, and to either not have children or have fewer children. So then we started thinking, 
when are people having children? And in my residency, we had many, many of the male residents have children throughout my five years there. And a single woman has never had a child in residency at the program that I attended. And we found that to also be true in our study where men were more likely to have children during training and uh, women were more likely to have children after training with actually 41% of women having an advanced maternal age at the time of having children and nearly one in three requiring fertility treatment, which is much higher than national averages, both of the national average and then also women with advanced degrees as well. Then also looking at who provides the income. So female surgeons were generally the breadwinner in their family and the spouse was actually also working full time most commonly. Um, one really great statistic though that we found was that 94.5% of the surgeons were satisfied with their career. However, women were less satisfied with their work family balance. So what's the main conclusion? Like, what do you want people to take home from this when they read your paper? Yeah. So our main takeaway is that our paper highlights deficiencies in work-family integration. And it does appear to uniquely affect female surgeons. And so it's important to address these discrepancies so that way we can both attract, support, and also retain women as successful orthopedic surgeons. It's also an important concept for the next steps to help surgeons succeed both in their professional and personal goals concurrently. So I think it's a challenge for our orthopedic community to address these existing discrepancies and try to create strategies to improve work-family integration in our field. Looking at your uh, results, what are the reasons behind like the almost $100,000 difference in range of salaries that you found in your survey? Like, Just any potential reasons you can think of to discuss? I would agree with Dr. Bell's comments that there may be some explanation behind the fact that the academic endeavors did differ and that it seemed to be that more of the paid academic positions favored males, whereas women were equally involved in things like teaching and research and, and other time-consuming endeavors that may contribute to their academic prowess, but not really in a paid manner. And then I think that there's also some possible contribution in terms of women maybe not pursuing opportunities such as partnerships and practice, and we don't really know that level of, of data out of this group. But I know, you know, there's certainly people I've spoken to and experiences that have been shared where it can be challenging if you're in a position where you're a young orthopedic surgeon as a mother to also achieve some of those partnership type of positions. Dr. Beanie, who does the laundry in your house? I'd say 80% of the time it's my wife and 20% is mine. The problem is that children don't do the cleanup. <laughs> They're not earning their kids. I mean, I'm just interested to know, what about you, Dr. Bell, Dr. Ponzi? For me, I purposely don't know how to use the washer dryer. So it's a learned helplessness. So my husband does all of that. But I'm just interested to hear, you know, because that's kind of the gist of what we're looking at, right? Like who's doing the tasks that keep the household running, right? Mm -hmm. I'm probably a, an outlier. My husband does everything. <laughs> yeah, same. No, it's the same. So, the, so far, we're the majority. And I don't what have about, children. What about you, Dr. Ponzi? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say I do quite a bit. I definitely do the majority, 
but with twin girls now, he has like been forced to help and step in and be really good support. Otherwise, I wouldn't survive. So, you know, it varies. We try to be a team and certainly having a network around you. I have a nanny who helps with some of these things and parents that are close by, unfortunately. Any thoughts about your findings on delayed childbearing among women surgeons and the increased fertility treatments being used. I have seen recent data, I think it was JAMA surgery, about just increased complications in general that women surgeons have when they are pregnant. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we, we did reference a study, Poon et al., that found that the average age at first conception, infertility rates, miscarriage rates, and pregnancy complication rates were higher for female orthopedic surgeons in comparison to the general population. And so I think our study just lends a little bit more support for that, just looking at it through a slightly different lens and where we're really comparing males versus females rather than the general population. And it's definitely interesting to find that. And then in terms of real life applications, I think that has been a common conversation that I've had with either my peers or now people that are in training, perhaps coming in and down the pipe behind me, asking about what's the right timing and when is the right time to have a child. And there's no right or wrong answer, clearly, but I I generally do advise people to do what's best for them. You know, it's age is a limiting factor. Training takes a long time. And there's so many things that are unanticipated. And at each stage of training and then practice, new challenges present themselves that you perhaps can never plan for. And I think, Dr. Bell, you alluded to this before, that there should be more support for women having children in residency if that's what they want to do, because otherwise they're putting it off longer and longer, and that potentially may be linked to increased complications. Yeah, I think it's important for the residency training programs to have policies in place, both for maternity and paternity leave, not a we'll figure it out kind of thing, and instead it would encourage them to have actual written policies in place and how does this affect you completing your training on time. I know there's been a recent change actually because it used to be very challenging for people to take time away from training and still graduate on time without adding an additional year. And my understanding is that the American Board of Orthopedic Surgeons has actually made a recent change. So now it's more easy to not add an additional year of training. And I'd like to add, too, for the ABOS in terms of board collections, they are also flexible in terms of if you take a maternity leave during your collections period, you can backdate your collections or you can, you know, just do it the next year if you want to. So there, I think there's more and more options for people who want to be flexible about those things. Okay, so for our last question, I'd like to ask both of you, where do we go next? You've unearthed this clear discrepancy, both in pay scales and in workloads, variation between male and female orthopedic surgeons. Where do we go next from a research point of view? Are you planning to tackle this question further, send out more surveys? Yeah, so I would say that we hope that now having a more detailed understanding of the discrepancies between male and female orthopedic surgeons can serve as a foundation on which we then can create some strategies to support work family integration and improve the accessibility of orthopedic surgery as a career for women. I think some of the topics that we were just discussing are good examples of this and really they might be tackled on each 
individual level at a more granular level, such as things like maternity leave or facilitating time away during training years for those types of purposes. But I definitely think the study highlights the need to not just ignore this issue and to really address it as an important topic and put some energy towards improving maybe what was the status quo in orthopedic surgery for a really long time. It's obviously of interest for all of us to attract more women into orthopedic surgery and then, of course, support them while they're here. And I think on an individual level, a lot of people do that to try to bring women along and encourage them down the right path within orthopedics. But far too often, you hear stories and things that may highlight some discouraging information, which I never like to hear. And so I think the more we can progress that conversation in a positive direction, the better off we will be as a specialty and for the future of women and then, of course, our patients in orthopedics. The other big concern I think that exists is burnout and physician wellness, and that's always discussed in the literature. It's a pervasive concern through medicine. And so when we start to recognize discrepancies in work-family integration between females and males, we then have to do some more looking as to what the causes are, the implications, and maybe consequences of, of those things. And so I think that those are maybe subjects that further research might be able to look at and asking ourselves, you know, what can we do to attract support and retain women as successful orthopedic surgeons? And so I would say some examples would be understanding the relationship between a presence of female mentors and students and the impact that may have on students choosing to pursue orthopedics. So that may be an area of further study. And then another area would be something like identifying specific strategies that that may work to the benefit of promoting work-family integration. And then trying to measure what's the impact, what was the outcome, did we did we successfully make a positive change? Another resource that has come out of this study between also talking with Dr. Rosenblum and looking at, okay, many of these courses that you go to or lectures sometimes don't have any women speaking or teaching and maybe we don't know or make it easy to access those people to have them speak and so we are actually already creating a women's speakers bureau that will be very easy to access specific specialty topics yeah that's and women in arthroplasty group is working on that for over the next couple months so i'm glad you brought that up dr bell yeah perfect absolutely outstanding paper brought incredible insights that we needed to have as a starting point for further research, as you outlined so very well. So thank you, Dr. Bell, Dr. Ponzi, for joining us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> and thank you very much, Dr. Rosenblum, for assisting me in this uh, podcast. And so with that, we'll close out this podcast. And ask thank you our for audience joining to us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit aahks.org to learn more about channel. how members of so the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, and investigate in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.